0: Welcome to Morrow's End, a live-play podcast based in the Morrow Project role-playing game universe. Episode 0, Meet the Meat. Who exactly are these people? What are they doing here? Who are they playing? And more. Hi, I'm Tim of this group of players, and we all decided that we were going to put together a Morrow Project podcast live play simply because of two reasons. Uh, one, we tend to be a little odd when we play, so very entertaining, and the other one is is that not many people have heard of or even know of, let alone experienced or been around someone who's played a game of Morrow Project. We are adults playing this, so there's going to be language and other things that are not suitable for little kids or, you know, people who have sensitive ears. A couple of my players are, can get a little raunchy, although we usually always aim for fun. So if you are unable to handle advanced things or swearing or things like that, we do not use the standard Morrow Project 4.0 combat system. We do for the most part, except for where it comes to initiative and the combat turn and actions. For example, and I'm going to just quote right here from the book Initiative to who determines goes first, roll 110 uh, sided die, a 1d10, and add the character's available actions. Highest score goes first. We still do that. Characters with tactic skills can make a check at the beginning of the combat. For each degree of success they achieve, there is a plus one initiative. I have seen that used so infrequently that. We pretty much skip this. Basically, if the leader of the squad comes up with a really good plan, everybody actually follows it. I will give them bonuses. But following the real initiative rules on this, eh, it doesn't make for good play because it starts to actually grind things to a halt. I'm a firm believer believer of the role playing portion of all RPGs. So combat should be frantic. Combat should be keep your adrenaline high and Grinding everything to a halt to start doing bookwork ruins the game. The combat turn uh we have every combat turn is about three uh three point six seconds then you, at the end of every tenth combat turn you're supposed to do a tactical turn and a bunch of other things honestly, we skip this because. Again, it, it hurts the flow. It, it's, it's another point where all of a sudden the brakes are put on hard. We are now, we have to step out of the game to do this book work. And what we follow instead is a more traditional type of combat turn and initiative. Everybody rolls their 1d10. Then you get your available auctions. One of the things that the guys have been throwing around and I really like is that you roll percentile. And whatever your 10s die is, that is your initiative. But if you have levels of success, I will give them to you. Um, that gives the player the ability that he just rolled 66. He now has a 12 on top of it, which puts, puts him on the top because he did something spectacular. And then we start doing normal initiative uh, in, in combat turns. I guess how you would declare that normal. I've seen this same type used in D&D. Shadowrun and others where everybody rolls initiative. Okay, who got the highest initiative? You go first. And then it goes on from there. Everyone roll initiative, then having the lowest initiative declare their actions up to the high, and then proceeding backwards the other way. The way Marl Project wants you to do it is an awesome way of doing it for a simulation. And it is more accurate. I absolutely give that to them. And if you want to run a simulation, I strongly suggest you follow the book rules. If you're more interested in the story, if you're more interested in keeping the story moving on, keeping everyone's emotions high, keeping the combat frantic and go, 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 use a more traditional system or a system that you're used to, that you find works great. This is not the only place that we diverge from the normal rules. I typically don't try to keep critical uh, track of hit locations and damage for hit locations, specifically for like a group of NPCs. Uh, if my team is fighting a group of NPCs, I am not going to keep track of whether or not uh, goon number one has been shot in the hand, goon number two has been shot in the foot, goon number three has a bullet in the thigh, etc. Each one of those goons has a set amount of hit points, and as they, they chip at, away at them until they die. I will add other things, like if they do a ton of damage to them at once, I'll knock them down, things like that. Keep the players involved and happy. And yeah, I'm dealing with this guy. I'm knocking these guys down. Then I will introduce one, two, or maybe three big um, NPCs that are, I give them full stats. Typically what it is, it's like, this is the monster. This is the boss. And then they have to fight harder for that one. If they are doing a little bit too well, you're the GM. You can make them up. Oh, I'm sorry, they're killing the, the the goons too fast. I need to slow that down. I'm just going to give all my goons 25% more health or 25% more blood points, whatever. You're in charge of the game. They need to understand that. And you also need to understand that you're making the game fun for them. You're, it's not you against them. It's you are making it fun for them. You're making the story entertaining... They need to be coming out of the whole thing entertained. And that's what we're going to do with this podcast. So please don't expect this to be a perfect rendition and play of the Morrow Project system. It is changed. The core of the whole thing is there. The, the, The soul of the whole game system is there. I love it. My players all love this system. No system is perfect. We modify it for what we want. You modify it for what you want. If there's anybody wants any details on how we're doing things differently, we're glad to share. We're going to mix it up. We're going to meet the players. Meet the meat. (laughs) Meet the meat. Meat Back on the menu. So we're going to start with Kirsten.
1: Excellent. So are we just introducing ourselves or also Introduce the characters? Introduce yourself and your character. Excellent. Well, my name is Kristen Hughes. Uh, I've started playing Morrow, I don't know, twice in this garage here that was how many times I played it before doing this podcast. I got really excited about it, though, and really into it because I love the post-apocalyptic games. Um, it reminded me of like a role-playing Fallout, but with more interesting mechanics. And I really enjoyed the story of Morrow, so I'm really excited to do this podcast. And I'm going to be playing... Alexandra Petrova, or Alex for short. Uh, Alex's parents were both Russians who moved to the United States in the 70s, and because of the lingering McCarthyism, uh, they decided to become the picture-perfect citizens, white picket fence, everything like that. And so Alex grew up rich and privileged, um, with activities such as horseback riding instead of cheerleading, and space camp at a young age, which is when she fell in love with NASA. Uh, Specifically, the idea of terraforming or exploring Mars and everything like that. And so, because as a child, she was very into tinkering and taking apart any toy she got and not quite being able to put it back together again, she went into engineering when she entered college. And uh, unfortunately, she ended up getting arrested while hot-wearing a car, and so that ended up uh, shattering some of her chances to work with NASA. So she kept uh, creating terraforming models that she'd send over to NASA repeatedly, at least every other month, and it got the attention of Morrow. And once I started recruiting her, she leapt in with both feet and actually thrilled at the prospect of getting frozen and rebuilding the world.
0: All right, one of the men.
1: Oh, John!
0: Uh, No, I'm digging. Oh, he's digging.
2: I'm Jesse Romine. I started playing Morrow Project a few years ago through an introduction of a mutual friend of ours, uh, Scott, and uh, growing up while uh, enjoying the Mad Max films, all about playing in uh, the Morrow setting, I am playing a uh, character by the name of Ashcan Adams. He was a uh, a descendant of the initial survivors of the last war or uh, apocalyptic war, and uh, since then he's learned how to hunt and pretty much essentially be a survivalist, kind of a frontier-esque mountain man, but his uh, family was uh, attacked by a man-eating bear and uh, killed, and thus started his uh, life endeavor of a big game hunter, or as the locals call it, monster hunting, and he usually gets hired out by various groups and organizations that still remain in the uh, new world. To uh, come and take care of any kind of uh, problems that they have with uh, mutant animals or uh, feral humans or uh, other kind of weird and unusual beasties from the wasteland.
1: Hate them feral humans.
2: Sons of bitches.
0: <laughs> you never done hunting one of them glowing ones, have you? No. Do <laughs> no. not want. Hi, Julie.
3: Hi. <laughs> Darn it! I wasn't ready. <laughs>
0: I, boy, um, girl, boy, girl.
3: Come on. But there's more boys than girls.
1: Well. Cam's a switch hitter. He's got those lovely pink headphones. You can't see them, but they're pretty glorious. So You're just pissed I got him A little bit.
3: <laughs> Shut up and let me take my turn. <laughs>
4: oh, I'm going to get my turn with you.
3: I am Julie Phoenix. Um, I actually got into playing Morrow in a probably really backward weird way but that's you know typical i um own a um theatrical dance company that features fire dance and we did a post-apocalyptic inspired show um um last summer and um started working on it in 2014 but um i started learning about post-apoc and it became an obsession and um when invited to actually play i um got into it and thought it was really fun um i'm really not a gamer so to speak other than you know the whole middle school dungeons and dragons thing and i'm sure we didn't do it right but you know it was fun anyway so um then when we got asked to do the podcast i just said you know hey why not it's it's kind of cool and you know it's kind of cool these guys have had a lot of patience with me because i'm not really yeah i'm not the gamer type um, I play Charlene Steele, Charlie for short. Charlie was raised in rural Virginia by her grandparents. They taught her the important lesson of becoming independent in a dependent world. So she became efficient at hunting and storing food. Um, she learned to read people from an early age and soon took an interest in psychology. Um, later, she went to work for Morrow doing psychological evaluations on... Um, the prospective team members and um, when it became evident that war was imminent the Morrow people approached her about being frozen um her husband had left and taken their only son so she really had nothing left to lose is how she thought of it and so she agreed um she was hoping that her assets would be better used in the future <laughs> i know we'll that's your a bad line oh, no
0: up. it's just fine you're fine it's
3: <laughs> a great line
0: oh we're gonna use them all right come on come on doc it was your old Mobius.
4: Mm-hmm. Alright, well. The first part, my name is uh, Mobius. Got into Morrow Project God let me think, about 1984. Um, Little shout out to uh, my friends living in the great north land. Uh, Doc and Rieger and Tom and Jim. Geez, Klaus. Desmond. Uh, we all grew up playing whatever could come across as role playing games and uh, when we came across Morrow Project, uh it uh it it was it's only seconded to Gamma world for what we started with and uh Morrow project was a lot more uh, uh militant and uh we just took to it uh, like ducks to water enjoying the uh whole aspect of the post apocalyptic uh uh world and set up for it so my character is uh dr major Hiram doc joseph McHenry just called me old doc. Doctor, uh, made it through life growing up in uh, near Anniston, Alabama. I was born some 10 years ago the second time, coming out of a marrow cocoon, a little earlier than what most folks assumed. I've been fighting to stay alive in this whole world since the beginning. And what I've found that uh, this is pretty much the... End and be all. It's hell on earth. It ain't pretty. Growing up in Al- at near Ernestown, Alabama, Daddy was the youngest of seven. Ma had seven of us. And that's right. I'm the seventh son of a seventh son. Makes me a bit peculiar, some folks say. Others think me a lucky charm. Well, growing up, we weren't quite poor and we weren't quite rich. But we were an ostracized family on many accounts. Daddy, well, he did... He was a stonemason, and he worked right hard. Ma did nursing at the local hospital. Being the youngest of the family, I had to go out and make my own way in the world, so I did. After a stint in the military and medical school, I was approached by this outfit and sold a bill of goods, as it were. Make the world a better place, they said. Well, after some training, some thorough psychological testing, I was approved. Say I do believe or believed in Morrow's ideals, just the world ain't quite taken to his ideals or to his plans, and that makes it a bit difficult, you might say, to bring back the old days. Well, I'm going to do my best to continue my duty as well as to help those I can. Just got to watch out for all them nasties out there. Are you ready move back? Well,
5: it? I put my character sheet someplace I wouldn't lose it, so it took me a while to find it. You lost it. No, I have it now. <laughs> okay. It's, it was in a safe spot, just not the one I thought it was.
4: <laughs> it's, a, it's a sign of age. No, I've yeah, always been
5: like this. Really? Yeah. 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 My name is John Griswold, but you may actually know me as Iron Angel from Rangers A to Z on Rant Radio, the Internet's oldest operating radio station. And uh, that's where we're actually getting some of our listeners from. Um, but I also do quite a lot of other weird stuff. I am a blacksmith and do quite a lot of unusual things for film props, stage props, fire effects, uh, and all kinds of other weirdness. So that'll come up, I'm sure. And, of course, you know, it's going to screw Tim up something awful because I've had a cold this week, so my voice is even lower than normal, so the EQ won't work anymore. And between Doc and I, we'll have, uh, you know, you won't be able to tell us apart. It'll be great. It'll be all on weird accents. So, I'm playing William Jennings, who was born in the nation's wood capital, Jasper, Indiana. You know, like Jack and Diane and all that kind of stuff. And um, Will uh, was the son of a fellow that worked at Jasper Transmission Plant, so he's been into cars for most of his life. And um, he had aspired to be a a baseball star like his hero, but unfortunately an injury uh, in high school prevented that ended up going into the military for a while um, did a lot of work with heavy vehicles heavy equipment and uh, ended up there at Fort Custer in Kalamazoo Michigan yes it's a real place not uh, not just a place in a song or trivia and uh, at Fort Custer he uh, was recruited in tomorrow as a heavy equipment mechanic and went through training and and got all kinds of other fun skills I hope to misuse
0: oh yeah I, I gotta do mine. <laughs> okay. Uh, hi, I'm Tim. I am the GM and I also play everybody's favorite character, Guy.
1: I love Guy.
0: Um I'm the guy who kind of created this mess and then these Muck oh fuck bastard like kind of you're all of you are enablers. Everybody. <laughs> you're the ringmaster, we're yeah, just the monkeys. Yeah, exactly. This is my circus. These are my monkeys. Um,
3: it's so wook, wook, nice to be somebody wook, else's monkey. Wook, <laughs> wook. <laughs> Not the ringleader.
0: Um, but I will be playing Guy. Uh, yeah, Guy is a Canadian. He's up um, uh, from the Great White North. Uh, I know I'm a complete hate crime, but that's fine. Uh, we live here, and all of us live here in Michigan. Uh, we, we, every single one of us have, knows at least two or three Upers. So. I, I'm really toning this down. Um, I, sp-
5: I speak fluent
0: youper. Yes, you do. Um, but the reason Guy exists uh, for two reasons. Number one, um, every single time in a War- Mario Project game, someone has to pretty much live in the vehicle all the time and not have any fun. So it might might as well be someone that the GM's playing. Plus, it allows me to feed the player's information in character um which is really makes for good radio that's us this is this lunatics um you also hear on this episode some random crap that we recorded while just screwing around that will really give you a good flavor of what kind of people we are oh you're not putting (laughs) the Cadbury egg thing in there are you uh no that's all in the freaking see that's the problem you guys wasted all of that oh no 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 it's
5: not it's not done yet never
0: wasted (laughs) But that'll be pretty much it. Um, That's our introduction.
5: Much like our characters are going to reference back to a recording that we did that the machine failed. You're going to hear constant references to Dieter and the monkey.
4: Fucking Dieter.
0: Wrong voice. Just a minute, just a minute,
4: just a minute. (laughs) My brain's rebooting. Uh,
0: uh,
3: Do not bring up the You
0: You leave it alone. All my hardware, my hardware is perfect.
3: Your (sighs) hardware damn near killed us. I
0: froze all of you perfectly. (laughs) It's your fault. You did something wrong. (laughs) Especially you. You were not planned for. (laughs)
4: Have you ever seen the movie there. Deliverance. <laughs> <laughs> I already hear the banjos. No.
1: <laughs> Tell me that's <laughs> not no. a date like a
4: private German nightmare is what you're gonna have. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, that's so dirty. Look at that. dirty. So I like fan- uh, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. Yeah, well, that's brutal. I, oh my god, a fucking leg got cut off, and you you're know, like, oh, should I really burn this this point? I only have two for the entire existence of this character. Is like, you know, you would think. I don't want to lose a leg. Well, that's not the worst that could happen to me. That that's right yeah. there is a great fucking game. <laughs> yeah. If you're like trying to weigh the option of keeping that extra point and losing a leg because you're only gonna, you know, reduce your attacks by half. Like what else can happen in this game that could be that much you know, could be worse, really? Right,
1: yeah. God, what I loved about Warhammer though, it was such an easy system to pick up because it was so it was percentile based. It was so fast. Easy game to pick up, easy game to play
4: really brutal. enjoy it. And it was brutal. And brutal. Yeah. I mean, where orcs were really fucking orcs. Well, that's, mm-hmm.
5: that's something that drives... The, the guys I hang out with online are, are... are They're into, like, Fudge and Fate and all these other little fluffy games. And it's like, I don't want my character to die.
1: Why? Rolling up characters Strife is the best part. is what this is
5: about. Make them suffer. Build character.
4: I Literally. Was, I got <laughs> their, you know... I love to go through, like, Fallout and then go back under God mode and just search all the cool and shit look. out. Yeah. You know, that's the fun part. Like, what did I miss?
1: Yeah.
0: Initiative
1: system. Cat hair.
0: My point is, a lot of times, <laughs> is that it's, it's there's a guideline. It's not,
1: yeah. we'll you have to it. do
0: this. No, you don't have to do this. <laughs> well, we're taking the parts that we like, and we're fitting in parts that work to keep it moving forward, that that may be a That's inadvertent support. side effect I've watched it podcast. Yeah, you know, is is well. That seems to work for them. Let's try it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's just I'm just using a standard. Whatever, every single game, D and D, Shadowrun, um, all of them, Feng shui, all of them use a standard. Um, I'm the highest in initiative. I go first. I mm-hmm. do my turn. Your turn. Right. And we go and. It keeps everybody involved. It keeps the sto- uh, story moving. It incre- it actually gives people excitement of like, Oh, ooh, you did that. You did that. I'm going to kill him. Mm-hmm. That's what people want. Mm-hmm.
1: That's. Well, then you don't have somebody going, okay, I'm going to set up this elaborate thing where I'm going to set the creature on fire and they get all their oil out, mm-hmm. get everything ready. And then and somebody comes up and like three clubs him out of the way or something you like know. that, knocks him back 20 feet and just totally fucks all of your plans.
4: You know what's, as you're saying, as you're saying that, you're saying that um, the thing that really comes to mind, what the hell game was it? Was it Star Wars? There's two versions of Star Wars. The, I think the as original. The entire, version, or original, okay. Didn't it have a weird combat system as There's well? A lot Wasn't that all original? D6 based? Yes. Yes. Damn yeah, it, it was very strange, even even in combat. It, it was a little different. I don't think it was bad. Well, Edge of the Empire, the current one, has a weird
0: one. You roll. It's pretty much fudge dice. Right, right. Okay. You roll, and I have triumphs and setbacks. And tri- setbacks can cancel out triumphs, and do I have a p- net positive or a net negative? And it's, that
2: almost sounds like White Wolf. It's yeah, fudge that's dice. that's exactly with what Right.
0: Vampire. That's exactly what it is, except for it's with very special dice of theirs
4: that... Cost exactly thirty bucks.
0: Oh, so exactly. you have to
1: buy only their yep. miniatures. I'm use sorry, only dice. Their dice. Yeah. Um,
4: See it was uh when was it fourth third edition fantasy roleplay came out, came out with the same dice and it died on the shelves. It was like, you bought the box game for $125. Fantasy Flight, Warhammer Fantasy, the uh, current Fantasy Fantasy Edition. uh, It was, yeah, they tried to make it simpler. They tried to make it kind of more visual. I didn't know that came out. Oh, yeah, it came out, and it was quite literally like, I think the Europeans were ready to burn Gamers Workshop to the ground.
0: (laughs) Well, then you've got weird-ass shit like this. This is Dungeon oh, right. Crawl Crawl Classics. Yeah. I have weird dice. What the okay, hell is this that is a thing? D4. This one is a uh, was a D9? No, that's a mutation they tried to mark. Yes, this is a D9. Um I've got a D30. What I've got a D3. Um. There's some. There's some weird ones. This is a D22. Are these like the black market dice. No, 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 no. <laughs> these I paid a buttload of money for because I I am playing with some guys. Dungeon crawl classics. Discount knockoff dice. What the hell is that? Um. If I find my D- uh, that's like the guy. weird part. And this whole thing. This is the only game that uses this weird set of dice. And it's. I'm. I'm almost 100% certain that some I, of these games do this just to try to...
1: Make money. This so was a $25 oh, yeah, set totally of agreed. dice. Totally
4: agreed.
5: Well, and, Straight and, up and that and somebody wanted to make a bulldozer joke about a D9. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
4: see, that's what you know. always threw me off with a lot of the newer role-playing games that were coming out is they were trying to... Money grab? Uh, no, yeah, absolutely a money grab. Oh well, let's make it more card based. Well, yeah, microtransactions. Oh, what oh, the fuck is going on? There's a card based. Like, you got to use cards with a character sheet, and yeah, here's your special yourself.
5: dice. Like I'm gonna go back to the old stuff.
4: I remember I'm
0: working on those cards, but those cards are a supplement. Which <laughs> no, is no, these are NPCs. All I gotta right. do is go. I need three I, NPCs. No, I'm, right, not, right. Even, I'm no, not, not
2: even. No, no, not even talking about that. Like with yeah. the, the new Warhammer Fantasy. Yeah, you have the uh, you have, have the deck. a. Paper that has your stats and stuff on it, but all of your gear yes. is done on cards. So they, I have my stuff laid out. You can just look across the table and be like, okay, well he's got this. He's at this much life. It, it almost looks oh, no, so
4: so like it's so 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 required for the play. Yeah, yeah. it's absolutely required. Yeah. What ended up what ends up doing? It, you're you're looking. It, it takes all the role playing out. It totally mm-hmm. takes the role playing
1: out. Well, you're making it a board game, which uh, yeah. is different than our role there you playing go. game. Exactly. Yeah. Uh,
4: everybody, so, everybody wants to be Magic the Gathering. Everybody uh, wants that money. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Like we could be the next. And it's like, what's very surprising? When that came out, I was like completely boycotted everything that was coming out about it. I bought the game. I no, somebody got it to me for Christmas. And I thought, oh, well, you know, cool. Maybe we'll sit down and check it out and open it up. And it was a, I mean, it was a big fucking mess. There's, you got your cards and your new dice. And these are the only three characters or four characters you could actually play to start. And then you had to buy more character cards if you wanted to. Oh, that's bullshit. Exactly. So when we started looking at. That's like microtransaction. We just went right back to second edition Warhammer Fantasy. Then you start looking for the books online. Oh yeah. And one of the books the uh the, the character compendium. Yeah. All right, that's got every, you know, uh profession. profession that's that's available in there. It was like at one time it was a $40 or $50 book. $350 book.
1: Cuz it's out no of print kidding. and because everyone's downloading the PDFs. And they're not going to
4: ever make any more yep. everybody like, wants it. And and so yeah.
1: Why not just make a fuck ton of money off of the old editions and people continuing well, to buy your shit?
2: That's the funny thing about with Pazio now and uh, Pathfinder. Can, yep. Pathfinder. Pathfinder, they're going now to doing the whole miniatures that they yeah. were doing in uh, third edition and three five and fourth edition D anD D. Yeah.
4: Oh yeah. And and again, people are still going for it and they're still after it. You know, uh, I there was a there was a guy online who well, I put think, character generators up. I think one of the things about the the, the Paizo's miniatures
5: is they they want to be Warhammer. Because yeah. I mean, people will lay down two thousand bucks a warhammer absolutely. army. Absolutely, absolutely.
4: And uh, you know, you know, I'm not just disc- I'm not discounting a business trying to make a dime. That's fine. When you change an entire game system that people enjoy playing, okay? Yeah,
5: that's the issue.
4: When you change it for the specific purpose of making more money, that you chase away all of your established. Well, people. You're the, shitting you're stab- on the fans of the games. Exactly. But not not the fans, read- but the people who are actually spending the money. Yeah. Did you ever read Nights at the Dinner Table? Yeah, that absolutely. Was, that was
5: the whole joke about Hardy Enterprises, because yep. they were trying to always make money. Well,
4: that, I, and they were doing crazy stuff. Hold well, on. So I wanted to finish this one part. Some the companies were
5: like, actually using me as a model.
4: The crazy thing to all of this is... The like Pazio comes out and goes, well, fine. They're not making three five, but everybody wants it. Fourth edition gets released at Gen Con that year, and they couldn't find a fucking soul to play any of the game, anything. No, it was no. They had very young kids over there. Well, here's the thing: there's only so much money a young kid has. Oh yeah. Until his parents like no mas. Here we are at the ages that we, you know, here here we sit at at how old, and we have a disposable income. Kind of. If I have hmm. again, <laughs> um, if I've got if I've got money to spend, but I want a nostalgic game, I'm gonna blow the 30, 40 bucks for the old AD and D books because I sold mine, you know, years ago. All of a sudden, that's where you know. Now, Wizards of the Coast went, holy shit. You mean these people will actually buy the old stuff? Heck, well, there's something. Maybe we should have just kept going with something that was working. Well, not just buy the old stuff.
0: 4.0 is what caused Pathfinder to become Absolutely. the oh, top yeah. of the pile. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's because Wizards of the Coast at that time, and across all their games, it doesn't matter, every single one of their games... If your game got bought by Wizards of the Coast, that's where it went to die. Because exactly. they, they wanted to squeeze every dollar they could out of it.
4: Because Hasbro didn't know what the hell they were doing. They replaced everybody across the board who had anything to do with D&D, with any kind of role-playing aspect. And that's why they lost Star Wars, too. They when lost they had Star it Wars. all. And they... It, because they thought they knew what the people wanted.
1: They removed the geeks and they replaced them with salespeople.
4: And what they got was bean no, counter Not even a yeah. bean counter, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, not even bean con- I mean, at least a bean counter, you know, would go in there and go, if you keep producing this, they'll keep buying it.
1: This mm-hmm. yeah. If this
4: works. hmm Yeah. If this works, you're risking losing, you know, a market share, mm-hmm. which they did. Hugely. Hugely. Like, the interesting they're, thing with that. They're still not that. recovered. Correct. Even they, with 4th edition as it came out, it was don't. a boon for them. But, but they, what did they have to do? They had to go, had to go out and, and hire people to come in and do what? Redesign a game because they love the game. But here's the problem. And pay them.
0: 5th edition is turn, starting to turn people around. Right. The problem is, is that Wizards of the Coast still acts like Wizards of the Coast.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Go find a character generator online. They are
4: suing everybody to death. Oh, you said D&D. Done. I So there's a guy. Uh, I'll share the link with you. I followed this guy for a while. Number one, he's a medical examiner. Um, He, he does posts, uh, autopsies, the whole thing, mm-hmm. and he does some writing. But he is a dyed-in-the-wool role player, okay? Just like the rest of us, except now he's a physician with a real fucking job and a lot of goddamn money. And his hobby is to build character generators, and he built several of them. For D twenty was his original. Wow. Okay. So he went through and built all these character dra- generators. He even built some one side ones, um, for Cthulhu, like for Chaosium. Nice. And it was literally just you know, point and click, point and click. You got your your um your your character built. Shh. It's done. Awesome. Everything across the board, all the bonuses, whatever you needed. When 5th Edition came out and we were going to go down and play with Jerry, I was like, oh, I wonder if this fucker's done it. So I went onto his website and it was closed the fuck down. He he was asked by Wizards of the Coast to refrain from, make, from using the D20 generators. Got to remember, D20 went OGL. open source. Yeah. But yeah. he was asked by them.
0: Well, to ask, as in we're going to hit you with lawyers.
4: Nope. He they they actually he's he said right on there, he was asked very kindly if he would not do that anymore until such time as fifth edition was out. It was we're talking it was only like three months. So I went back on there one day just to check it out, and sure enough, he they allowed him to build a fifth edition character generator. Nice. Really, I was very stunned with that, but I think is they look again I'm not knowing all the things of it because i've sent I sent him an email, and obviously mm-hmm. he hasn't sent me anything back. but the idea is I think what they did was he wasn't making money off of anything he built these out of a hobby, and for a love of it, and looking at how many people probably used it, somebody went hmm. Maybe we should just allow him to do it and keep doing it, because it's going to shoot people right back to us for source material. Just put a yeah. Wizards
1: of the Coast advertising all over his page.
4: Which, in fact, he's got the logo. Nice. Which is the other ones which he didn't. Which means he's licensed. Yeah. But licensed. see, I don't know if it's licensed, like he had to pay a fee for it. It or could just be approved. That's yeah, but, it, because that's but what but a, lot people, else, the a lot of people... The forums are full of people. Combined. Oh, ab- no. Absolutely. I, I, it's very strange. I, again, I don't necessarily... I don't disagree with you at all, Tim, but I'm not sure yet if that's just what Wizards of the Coast are after right now. Maybe corporate-wise, well, I, I but think I think the people running 5th edition... They probably pushed back on them real hard with that. I well, hope the left so. hand or right hand knows what the other one's doing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I it just
2: thing. say like the whole issue with Games Workshop right now, it's quite interesting to see them coming back out with the starter kits that cost under 90 bucks. Yeah, like 88 oh, yeah. bucks, yep. and you get yeah, about so three or four different units in there. there.
0: Well, that makes sense. Oh, I
2: mean. right, because you got to get people in it. What well, they were charging with some of these prices on stuff now, like I remember certain oh, yeah, kits being 50 anybody bucks anybody are now 100 bucks, right. So it's very interesting to see them scrambling because also with that whole uh, Age of Sigmar they did just completely flopped on them.
4: No, I I totally get it. It's it's just kind of a a crazy thing of how the how the games have come. I mean, I'm thinking back in the day when we first seen Morrow Project on the shelf, the only th- role playing mm-hmm. game 82. that any of us actually played. I mean, seriously, and mm-hmm. I'm sitting in Fairbanks, Alaska, and there were. At one time, there's only one place in town where you can get your gaming stuff. Yep. Then there was two. Then there was three. Then there was four. Then there was three. And then there was two. You know, and that's, you know, it's how it went. It kind of went like, you know, took a breath and then it all disappeared. One of the craziest, um, uh, we've talked about this before. The box games that started being pushed out, Space Opera. um, Traveler. Traveler. <laughs> what was the other the post apocalyptic game? Gamma, uh, Gamma not World. Gamma? Not Gamma World. The other one. Um, um, Twilight 2000. Nope. Uh, close though. That one was a fucking nightmare. That goddamn that was system was horrible. horrible. Um. God, I can't think of it. God, it, it'll come to me. Yeah. Um. Anyway, it, Dark so- No, not Dark Sun. So- but it was real like space opera. What a hell of a, a unbelievably detailed space adventuring game. But you needed to. Nine you had sheet. right. But you needed to. You needed to know calc. You yes. Know, you yeah. needed to have you know analytical geometry to get through the you know to actually do space travel. Then there was all kinds of weird games that caught, that popped out because they were, you, you could tell they were being designed by university level. Steve nerds. Jackson.
0: Correct. Um, it, you it, had. Um, he simplified it all. Yeah, his first one was uh, what was it? Ogre. Yes, that
4: real simple. I mean, a dollar freaking. Yep. Top end five bucks for a little piece of plastic with chits in it that in a, mm-hmm. in a game booklet that was tri folded. Yep. And it
0: was just a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. In fact, actually, the the first um, pocket was it? Pocket Ogre was all paper. It was paper counters on. on but it was so addictive, and it was a lot of A num- lot of people never played a strategy. Military strategy
4: game before that. Correct. Or if they did, they were professors at a friggin' university somewhere. Right, right. So, But anyway, I remember all these friggin' games coming out, and, and it, your still go-to was D&D. Why was it your go-to? Because it had the most books out. You could get a well, hold of books. Well, not only the just books. the most
0: books, there was a ton of player-created content. Exactly. Um, um, Every uh, freaking monument the the they put out, Dragon? Dragon, Dragon, or Dungeon. I mean, it was full of stuff. Every issue was full of stuff. Yep. And they did not care. Gary Gygax, at that time, he encouraged everybody. Yes, make more
4: content for this. Give it out freely, and for, and for, you can do what you and want for any game, not just D and D. There was uh, the the um, oh gosh, the was it the Smuggler or the Rogue Traveler? One of them was built for you know for Traveller the game, yeah. And then there were things in there for Gamma World. and there were things in there uh, if you dug hard enough, like for for Cthulhu and for. So it was a it was a far reaching magazine. It was for role playing. It wasn't so you know specific. Oh, yeah. It was just only TSR games. Oh yeah. It, you know eventually that's uh, what it became. But.
0: And there's our players. I want to thank everyone for listening. If you need more information about Morrow Project, you can go to www.timelineltd.com. See you next time.